Hey everyone, Maggie here. I chatted with Sadie Kurzban, the founder of 305 Fitness for the We Got Goals podcast this week. You're going to find her to be a firecracker. When you listen to this episode, she is so full of life, so full of amazing stories and not afraid to share some of the more vulnerable ones on her journey to creating this awesome dance fitness brand. So 305 Fitness is a cardio intensive dance fitness brand that started about eight years ago when she was just out of college. She launched it after winning an entrepreneurship pitch competition and took the small amount of funding money that she got from that and started this brand, started her first foray into creating 305 Fitness. And from that point onward, she fought tooth and nail to get a brick and mortar store after brick and mortar store and then continued to build the brand of instructors that now lives in cities across the country. And she's still not even 30 years old. So I absolutely loved hearing from her about the ups and the downs of starting this business, of going out on her own when all of her peers were just enjoying their lives first out of college. And she was dealing with opening a business and being so far in debt that she didn't know what to do. And I hope you enjoyed this interview. It truly was so fun to talk to Sadie. And if you are ever in New York, pop into one of her classes. You will not be sorry. This is my interview with Sadie Kurzban. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be a... Thank you so much for joining me on the We Got Goals podcast, Sadie. It is so great to have you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So Sadie, you are the founder of 305 Fitness. And for the listeners who don't know what 305 Fitness is, it is one of the most cardio-challenging dance fitness workouts I have ever experienced. And I'm so happy to have experienced because it is just, I can't even think of one other word to describe it besides a blast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's really, really fun. We hope that, that people leave with the impression that it's fun above all else. And truly, like from the the branding that you put out through Instagram to the videos to the song choices to the experience in the studio, it is totally that. It is well, so much you. fun. Thank you. And and I know you started this brand and this company when you were very young. Yes. I started really dreaming about this really when I was 18, 19, was just looking. I was a group fitness, you know, fan and took lots of glasses and ended up getting my certification in a few formats and I hated the education. It was it really left me as an instructor feeling confused about what to do next. So that was my first kind of aha moment was thinking, wow, all of these certifications I've been going to really are are not really doing it for me. Um so so that's how I started to think about 305, but I really committed to working on it full time once I was a senior in college. So it has been 8 years of doing this every single day and really dreaming big. Yeah, and that is, I mean, it's such a cool thing to hear that you had that vision when you were in college, which is a very, you know, pivotal time and people at that age are learning a lot, but then to stick with it and to still find it as your passion and your drive every day eight years later is also really inspiring. Yeah, my motivation and my um the reason why I'm doing this has definitely shifted and changed. Uh, you know, from I think when I was younger, it was really about just problem solving and saying this is a pain point. There isn't really fun and easy and accessible group fitness, especially for dancing out there. And now um, my motivation has totally changed where it is a lot more about being the leader for this company, not letting others down, really having a clear vision moving forward into the next path. So it's definitely changed. And I have had so many moments along the way when I've thought, this is too hard. It's time for me to quit. But I honestly will tell you, even though it sounds cliche, every single one of those times that I look back on, 
it was just around the corner, that next turning point. So I'm so happy that I've stuck it out. That is also really cool to hear. Do you have a specific example that you can share sort of that reminds you of that kind of pivotal moment that resulted in more success than you could have imagined? Yeah, I will uh, share one that comes to mind, stands out for me was we were um, renting space as a pop-up, which is the way that we operate every time we, we go to a new market. So usually when we host classes from rented dance studio, it means that we're testing the market and seeing if there's demand there in order to plant a brick and mortar studio. So that's what I did when I first moved to New York. I was really operating all these classes out of rented space. I had hired a team of instructors. And though the stakes at that time, it did feel like pressure for sure, you know, nothing kind of compared to really raising money, doing this whole full construction feeling every day like, oh my God, we're running out of money. I'm running out of time. I'm not going to open this thing. How am I going to find the money for this thing? You know, when I, when I did that first build out in New York, um, I won't get too into the details of the numbers, but basically it was the project ended up being quite literally four times the money that I either expected or had. So, um, you know, contractor was putting the final nail on the studio and I was sitting there thinking I am about to owe so much money and I have literally no idea where I'm going to find it. And so I thought like, I I think I'm going to go to jail. Like I don't, I don't even know who to turn to. I felt really alone in that process. Most of my friends, I was 24 at the time. So most of my friends were, you know, enjoying now their second year out of college. Some of them were graduating business school. A lot of them were making that next career jump. So living pretty secure lives. And I was sitting there thinking, uh, what did I just do? Right. I have no money. Um, So I was super scared, but basically I cobbled together the money. I just, I mean, at that point I had no option. I shamelessly went to all my friends and family, every client, whoever came to 305. And I said, you know, I didn't have a strategy to raise money. It wasn't like I had a deck. I was just like, Hey, I'm uh, this much money in the red and we need to open. (laughs) Uh, Can you invest in 305? Which got me lots of raised eyebrows, but ultimately I found the money. But my, my, um, oh, I'm giving up actually was once we opened. So I think all this adrenaline just got me through to the day that we opened. And I was, it was me alone. Like I had, I didn't have anyone working for me at that time. I was doing everything. I was teaching half the classes. I was, you know, doing our payroll. I was managing our, our, uh, client bookings. And I was also managing, you know, what is a really expensive and high pressure build out. So, and raising money, like all at the same time. I mean, I, I probably honestly was sleeping two hours a day and I was just a total mess and emotionally spinning out of control, but it was adrenaline and this one goal, like just open it, just open it. So it was actually about a week after we opened that I just had a moment to sit with myself. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't know if I want this anymore. It was just like doom and gloom. Like I remember I, I called, I, I G chatted my best friend um, and he was sitting at an office desk and I was like, I think I'm going to quit. Like, what is that even, how do I even do this? And he's like, take a deep breath. Why don't you come uptown, have lunch with me? And I sat there in, um, Bryant park with him bawling my eyes out. Like, why did I do this? I spent all this money. I'm way too young. I don't even think I want, I want this anymore. Like, like we have this studio now and I don't even think I want to be here. Like, and he was just like, girl, like, I don't even know what to tell you, but I don't really think you have a choice. Like, I just think you need to wait <laughs> this out. So that's what I did. I really just swallowed this painful pill and every day showed up to work, even though everyone was like, congratulations, you're killing it. On the inside, I was like, 
I hate this. I am not happy. I don't know what I just did. I feel like I just committed to something for the next 10 years and I actually am not sure. So, but actually that just kind of went away. Like just kind of got into it and I hired a good team and the feelings changed. And so that taught me that through the ups and downs of feelings, sometimes I'm on a high, sometimes I'm on the lowest low that really is just about putting one foot in front of the other. But, um, that's an example of really literally wanting to throw in the towel and, and honestly just having no option. There was no one to turn to give the keys to. So I had to keep going. Thank you for sharing that story because it's so real. And I think that applies in so many ways to everyone's goals at some point because we always, you know, we have the goals that we set that we want to go after. And then there's some voice in the back of our head at some point that's like, is that right? Was that the right goal? Am I doing the right thing? And it just resonates with me so much because you you just don't know. You can only do the best that you can. And like you said, put one foot in front of the other. And then when it's time to make a change, if there, if it is time, you just start moving down that path. Yep. So it's totally real. So I wanted to, I, I really want to ask about that, that moment that you, that you had just open it, just open it, that drive that I can hear in your voice. It kind of, it makes me want to know, have you always had a drive unlike any of your peers, like growing up, because you, you say that you've, you were doing something so different than so many of your peers at age 24. Is that, was that new to you at that time? The short answer to that is no. I have always been a really ambitious kid. I was always really hard on myself. I was always a straight A student and I always excelled and I always put in the effort. I grew up with two parents who were total workaholics. I mean, to this day, my dad and you know my mom and dad are now both 70, and I truly have never seen my dad take a day off, including Christmas, New Year's, his birthday. I mean, never. I can call him Sunday at 9 p.m., and he's at the office working away. So I had two parents who were just totally addicted and consumed and very passionate about their work. I think that that set a good example. Um, but since I've gotten now a little bit older, I'm approaching 30, I've had to do a lot of considering about why, what really does drive my ambition. I think if you had asked me eight years ago when I set out or when I was 16 in high school, trying to be the very best in my class, a lot of it was really ego and just wanting to be the best, wanting to be recognized, wanting to feel loved, wanting to be appreciated. And the truth is one of the coolest things about being an entrepreneur is I get to do this however the hell I want which is actually something really special. So I get tons of input from other people. I go on Instagram and I see this, as we all know, this world of utter success of other <laughs> people, you know, that can be very fake. Um, and then I have just, there's lots of pressure and, and frankly, there's lots of brainwashing that goes into how we grow up. So for me, what was really interesting was I grew up in this house that was very liberal and and actually my parents were like total socialists. They were immigration lawyers and so they really believed in the work that they were doing and they really believed that in order to have meaning in this world you had to make a difference and they really impressed that upon all of us. I think though there is some pain in that in being young or, or being at any age and always feeling like what I'm doing isn't enough. And so I've learned through the years that of course, I want to make an impact, but also if I just can't like myself because I feel like there's always a next step, there's always something to do, then I'll never really find peace with myself and I'll never really be happy. So in spite of all of this kind of hardwired ambition and drive and 
and goals, goals, goals. And, uh, you know, for me, what was interesting was growing up, it wasn't about money or accumulating things, but it was about making a difference, making impact. That's how you have value in this world. I have had to actually take a step away from that and think, what is just the life that I want to create? So that's been interesting for me over the last 10 years. And what is the life that you want to create? Wow. I am (laughs) working on that every day. Um, I am working on that is what I'll say for now. But I would say that I know when I am working at my highest and best self, at my highest purpose, I am really thinking about creating a better world. I'm thinking about helping the people who have signed on to work for 305, all of our incredible instructors and DJs and our support team. Most of them have taken a a pay cut to be with us. And I really want them to grow and empower them. And so I think part of what I'm after is how do we create a new vision of fitness that's not about shaming people? It's not about judgment. And it really is about having fun. How do we create a business that really is loyal and good to its people, to its workers? And I think that that really is what guides me. It's when I can kind of drift off and think, oh, well, it it would be so cool to raise money and um, those people are doing it and I want to do it because I want to be a powerful woman. That's when I tend to kind of go, kind of uh, get off the road a bit and and I can really go down a pretty deep, deep, dark path sometimes of getting caught up with my own ego. So I'm always trying to keep that in check and really just make this about what this really was ultimately about, which is creating a workout culture that really empowers people and doesn't talk down to people. Well, and I think that when when you talk about wanting to make an impact in the world, uh, whether it was a roundabout way of doing that, that is exactly what 305, I think, tries to create within the fitness world already. It's already happening. I think so. I really believe in my message and the message that we're sharing. I think that's something we take really seriously and we do tend to get it right 10 out of 10 times. Um, (laughs) And and it's just for me about knowing that that's enough, that it's enough if we have X amount of studios and we've affected X amount of lives and it's going to all happen when it happens. Being patient with those long-term goals that I've set out and and just knowing that whatever happens, like I will be okay. You know, I think there's, it's really easy to be anxious about the future for all of us, definitely for me. So just sitting back and, and looking at what we've created and being really proud of that. It's hard for me to do because I'm wired to think about what's next, but I am really working on being kinder to myself and just celebrating the victories. Totally, totally. And I think looking, if we look at like what the class is right now, and maybe actually the listeners don't all all know what makes 305 Fitness different. So there are DJs in class, right? That the instructors pair with. Yeah. So the class is, you know, either 45 or 55 minutes, depending on which one you sign up for, but it is almost all cardio. I mean, people just like sweat their eyeballs out. It is (laughs) so intense, but so much fun. We really try to make it so that it's easy to follow meaning you really don't need dance experience. You can just come in. If you, if you know how to do a jumping jack, you can do this class. Um, and it's, it's really, really fun. And, and part of what makes it so fun is that it's really spontaneous. So there really is a live DJ and he or she really is playing whatever they decide to play. And me as an instructor, when I go in and teach, and I still do, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. So it makes for a really spontaneous, raw, and in a lot of ways, vulnerable setting for an instructor 
I think that that kind of vulnerability, meaning like as an instructor, I can't memorize every beat drop. I don't know what the cues are going to be. I don't know what choreography is going to play. It makes it so that that power dynamic that I see so often in the fitness industry where you tend to have one instructor who thinks they're God's gift to the world and is giving you all the instruction on how to look like them. It really flips that on its head where us as instructors, we feel vulnerable too. And we're just there to party and have a good time and get through it together as opposed to telling you like, this is A through Z. If you want the Bible on eight pack abs, here's how you get it. I think it really has created a culture for us that, that a lot of people tell us is much more authentic than they find in other places. I never thought about that. But when I did take class, it, it did feel very human because there were moments of like, oh, we got to wait for the beat. And it, and it does just kind of break that wall down and make it something that we're all creating together almost. Definitely. So um, what do you think someone should expect to do when they come into a class at 305 for the first time? What should they expect? Well, <laughs> to have a good time. Um, they will see lots of cardio. It'll be moves like jumping jacks and boxing and high knees coupled with some dancier moves too that you probably aren't used to doing like booty shaking. You will very much likely have a stupid goofy grin on your face the whole time because it is impossible not to smile and laugh in this class. We have a bit of a toning section, but most of class is pretty much nonstop cardio. So I would say in terms of what to expect, I would visit our Instagram I wouldn't get too concerned about the Instagram because almost all of those video clips are of, are of our instructors. So please don't be intimidated by it. <laughs> but definitely, I think what people remark on 305 is that it's fun. It really is inclusive. We really do walk the walk. Our instructors are all different sizes and shapes and colors and genders. And we try to just be real and authentic and talk to people in the most human way possible. You know, you speak about it as though it's something simple and it is. However, it's also a brand that you've continued to grow. And so it's obviously got some secret sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear from you a little bit about your journey towards fundraising for the first time and continuing to fundraise for 305 Fitness. Yeah. Okay. So fundraising. Well, for us, we've always had to fundraise to open more studios. The studio yeah. buildouts are unfortunately pretty expensive. They require usually full gut renovations and soundproofing and hardwood floors and like custom LED lights and plumbing and all of these things. So unfortunately, it's not as easy as just putting mirrors up on the wall and hoping for the best. There's lots of like permitting and red tape. So those are always quite expensive. And so that has left us in a position where we either can open a studio, do kind of like the old school way of business where we wait and we make money and then we reinvest all of that money into the next studio. But honestly, that would probably take us five years, you know, to do that and then build the next one. And I think because we have really had our heart into let's mm -hmm. make this a national brand and maybe international someday, it's meant that we've had to raise money. Um, the raising money process for me has been extremely humbling, very trying, um, like so many things in business, in asking other entrepreneurs and investors for advice, what I've learned is that there is no one way to do it. <laughs> Everyone has an opinion. And every time I found myself listening to those opinions, it's usually not true to me, you know, and I end up just doing it the way that I do. Um, have gotten so many no's, mm -hmm. have gotten so many unresponsive emails. I mean, everyone these days is an investor with a fund. And People have probably never been ruder because <laughs> um, the economy is great. People think they're hot shit. Everyone's looking for the next Uber. 
And, uh, you know, it's easy to hide behind an email and not respond or give a no. So the whole process is extremely vulnerable. I mean, Mm -hmm. what it looks like, and I'm happy to tell you more is I will, um, try and get an introduction to an investor from a friend. I will send that investor some info. I'll have to kind of prod and prod until the investor writes me back. And then we set up an intro meeting and usually they give me 30 to 45 minutes where I am pitching like, I'm talking about the vision. I'm talking about my story. I'm selling myself. I'm selling the team. I'm going into all the numbers. I'm telling them what an opportunity this is. Like it's pretty kind of aggressive sales at the end of the day. They usually spend about 15 minutes, not tearing it apart, but asking like tons of questions. So uh, definitely the more I've done it, the better I've gotten because a lot of those questions do tend to be similar ones. And then, uh, then the process is, you know, I don't mean to sound cynical, but then the process is I send them all this info. I basically put my baby on the table and then I either get a, your baby's ugly, sorry, or we love your baby, but we want to wait until it's older to invest in it. Or sure, I'm in, like how much can I put in? So, um, Mm -hmm. so many frustrations along the way of fundraising. It has definitely made me a much more thoughtful person because I, again, like along the way, I, it's so easy to get caught up in, well, that business raised that money or, well, let me just raise a whole bunch so I can pay myself this and feel like a queen bee. But at the end of the day, like I, I really try to remind myself, why did I start this? How much exact money do we need so we can really get to that next milestone? And just who are the right partners for us? Like, I don't want to sell out our team or our business. So it has been a really thoughtful trajectory along the way. I can imagine that it is, uh, you know, problem solving at its core and just figuring out like, how, how do we talk about this problem in the way that makes the most sense to the p- people that I'm in front of? And then how do we come up with a solution together? And very basically, that is a way that those are skills that you have to learn no matter what industry you're in. So I'm sure that being put on the fast track to learn it for fundraising purposes for 305 Fitness has, is going to be hugely helpful no matter where you go next. It is a bit of that. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of women entrepreneurs have talked about the sexism in fundraising, and it is so true. I get this actually less now, but when I was early in my career, 23, 24, looking for money, I had so many investors flirt with me, hate on me, never intend to um, give, you know, invest money, but it was always about when can we meet up next, texting me at inappropriate times, just really crossing a line. I think that unfortunately, a lot of those guys saw that I was vulnerable, that I had no money and that I was young and kind of dumb. Um, It left such a disgusting taste in my mouth. And I'm so proud of myself because I've actually gone back and confronted some of those guys. Like the whole Me Too movement really inspired me. And I literally wrote some of those guys' emails. And I was like, this is what happened. This is what you did. Like, shame on you. And a lot of them wrote back and they were like, I'm so sorry because they don't want to be outed. Um, but it, you know, it's really is no doubt. Like, you uh-huh. know, if you look uh-huh. at rates of female, you know, female founded teams, how they get backed, it's just, it's really gross how little investment there is in female teams. It's even grosser how little investment there is in women of color. Uh, But what they found, and one thing that I'm really passionate about is if I ever make money out of this, I'm totally going to become an investor in um, female-led businesses is because women are much more resourceful. They tend to be much more resourceful than men. So the Boston Consulting Group recently did a study on um, investments, and they found that female-run startups generate $0.78 in revenue for the same amount, like for the same dollar, whereas male-run startups will only generate 31 sense. So it's almost a double how far they can take it. 
Um, and, wow. and that's because you, you know, usually women, we are used to making do with a lot less. Um, so I really do believe in, in the power of women. And I think that one of the things that's so interesting about 305 is how we really have had to thread the needle and be super resourceful with every penny. You know, we're a profitable company. That's very rare these days as a startup, especially as a small startup. And I honestly just think we have had no choice that even with someone like me, I'm very smart. I'm charismatic. I know how to sell. I know how to pitch. Still, the fact that I'm young and female, that has not helped. So um, it, it really is a very sad thing about fundraising. And the other thing that I find so sad is just like how much of startups are backed by teams that have already exited or sold, you know, if the guys behind Airbnb or Uber wanted to start another business, even if it was like the trashiest and worst business, just because that team has already been successful, investors throw money at it. So there really is, um, unfortunately, a really big hurdle for people mm-hmm. who are just starting out, who are new entrepreneurs, who are young, who are women, who are people of color. All those things are very, very, very much true. It's not just the everyday trite, you know, uh, objectified sexism you'd think of, of like, a guy ogling at my boobs instead of looking at my PowerPoint, but it also are just like real fundamental and structural barriers to even mm-hmm. getting that first introduction email. It's all very real in the world of fundraising. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, talk about wanting to make an impact, a real, real tangible impact. This is important. The work that you're doing and the path that you're carving out for other female entrepreneurs to then lift up other female entrepreneurs is really huge. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And in our team too. I mean, we have an incredibly diverse team. Most of our full-time staff are women. Uh, If you look at our staff of instructors and DJs, you'll see so many of them are people of color, are immigrants. So that we really do pride ourselves on creating more opportunity, even in the work that we're doing now. But for sure, I want to take that impact further one day. And I feel like we've been dancing around the conversation of goals this entire conversation, which is so cool. <laughs> but I think in for formality's sake, I'd love to know if one particular goal of yours, whether it's been in the recent, most recent past or overall, a big goal that you're really proud to stand up and say, I did this. Hmm. You know, a recent one that we just embarked on was um, we recently started certifying instructors So um, it's been something that's always been in my mind ever since I got certified in some of these formats like Zumba and Spin. I left all those trainings thinking, what was that? Like, why did I get a six-hour one-day training with a shitty manual? I have (laughs) no idea how I'm going to go teach this. And what I know about 305 is we do a really great job at training our staff of instructors and DJs. Like, our education, I believe, is some of the best in the world for fitness. And we're able to take a lot of people who have never taught fitness in their lives and really teach them how to do this thing. So I was really inspired by that. And I said, let me just try to put a button up on our website that says, bring 305 to your city. Let's see who applies. Let's see, you know, we were focusing on markets that weren't the markets like New York and Chicago Mm -hmm. and LA, but sort of smaller B and C size markets like Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Let's see who applies. Um, I thought maybe there would be 50 people to apply. There were 850 people the first time we did this. So that was back in December. And then once they applied, I was like, oh my God, okay, I have six weeks to put this together. I did single-handedly do this. I told the team, like, keep doing what you're doing. You're killing it. I need about six weeks to be totally not distracted so I can get this off the ground. So I made that my sole focus was getting this first certification weekend going. 
I am so proud to say that we now have 60 certified instructors. You know, we, we basically accepted a, a really select group. Um, they came to our studios for a full immersive weekend training. I recruited the help of some of our best instructors who are just super magnetic and great leaders. And now we have 60 of these young people. Most of them are women. They're out in places like Midland, Georgia, Long Island, Jersey, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Kansas City, Portland, Oregon, Tempe, Arizona, Salt Lake City. Um, I could go on and on, but they are out there in the world teaching 305 fitness out of rented space or out of gyms, just like I did when I first moved to the city. They're making money doing this. They don't need a million dollars to get a franchise started. All they needed was the money to travel to New York and get this certification under their belt. And we're giving them all of this exciting access to our choreography and our music and you know how to market their classes and how to make more money and be a, a better professional in the fitness industry. So I have been so inspired by seeing this, seeing them on Instagram, filling up their classes, going through those same ups and downs that I did of, oh my God, no one's in my class. Now someone's in my class and this is taking off and no, it's not. And it's just so cool to see that raw entrepreneurship and the fact that we're inspiring it happening literally 60 across for 60 different people like this. Like it was so exciting to get that off the ground. That is huge because that impact is like way bigger than even that one weekend and those 60 people that you reached. Absolutely. Imagine a hundred people in their classes every week. Now we're getting 305 to 6,000 or more new people. And, and fundamentally, we just believe this message is radical and so needed in this industry that's so much about shame and judgment. It is so needed to have an instructor who just tells you, you are enough. So that's what we are all about. Oh my God. Do you think is the, is a lot of the training, I mean, I'm sure it's a lot about physically, how do you cue, but is it a lot about how do you make everyone feel welcome? It is. Yeah. I would say 50% of it is technical skills. How do you cue? How do you make patterns? All that stuff. But 50% of it is all the stuff that we, that we know, like our brand and what our message stands for, you know, what kind of things to post on social media that are kosher under our brand, so to speak, and not like, how you really retain a new customer. How do you teach people who have never taken dance before? Those kinds of learnings. Absolutely. Congratulations. That's huge. Thank you. Thanks. So, and you already also talked about where you want to see uh, 305 Fitness going in terms of becoming really a, a staple in the way that we see fitness, as well as how employees in the fitness industry are treated and what their goals can be. Uh, do you have additional goals outside of 305 Fitness or for the brand that you're excited to say out loud now? Honestly, we're really focused on certification. We are going to open a couple more studios and our heart is super in certification right now. So for anyone listening who is, you know, has some dance experience, you don't need a ton, but that's really the only requirement. Are you an energetic person and do you love to dance? Apply. That button is up on our website and we are going like, full throttle with certification because we have been so inspired seeing all of these young people get these businesses off the ground. Incredible. Do you do you plan to open more studios out, outside of New York, like physical brick and mortars? Yes. I think you can expect to see us um, in some of the obvious markets. I'll, I'll let you mm-hmm. guess maybe. Where do you think that, that you'll see a 305 studio? Let's see if you got I'm- it right. I am hoping in Chicago. Ding, ding, ding. Coming coming <laughs> at some point in the next, let's call it two years, we'll be there. Oh, incredible. I cannot wait. Yeah. Well, it has been such an honor to have you on the podcast, Sadie. You're, you're such a light and you're such an inspiration for people 
that also want to carve out their own paths and to do something good for others. So Thank you. it's really so fun to speak to you. Thank you so much. Have a good one. I really appreciate it. You as well. Girl, sit, I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not around. Just know I'll be back. So no need to frown. This podcast is a sweatlife.com production. And it's another thing that's better with friends. So please share it with yours. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a chance to leave us a rating or a review while you're there, we would really appreciate it. Special thanks to Jay Mono for our theme music, to our guests this week, Sadie Kurzban, to Tech Nexus for the recording studio, thanks to Ryan Duffett for editing, and, of course, an extra special thanks to you, our listeners.